1: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I interview Poppy Jamie, The founder of Happy Not Perfect, a podcast and meditation app for anxiety. Poppy kicked off her career while studying in the London School of Economics when she became the youngest television host at ITN. And after graduating, Poppy moved to Los Angeles to work with MTV, ITV and later launched Pillow Talk with Poppy's Snapchat first chat show. In that process, she experienced severe anxiety and had so many people that wrote to her and called on her just to help with dealing with anxiety. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about understanding anxiety how she managed it how understanding the link between her mind brain and body was crucial to owning it and how she also as a panic attack why self-compassion is so important and is such an important huge piece of the puzzle versus self-criticism and all the things that were going on in her life with anxiety And something that really perpetuated her anxiety was toxic positivity from others saying, what have you got to feel anxious about? Just before we begin, however, I just want to remind you that this podcast is for educational purposes and is not medical advice. If you need medical advice, please contact the appropriate medical professionals. If you haven't yet picked up a copy of my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, it's available in bookstores all over the place and also at our site, drleaf.com. And now on to today's podcast. Poppy, I'm so excited to talk to you again. We had the most wonderful interview just recently, where you interviewed me on your podcast, and I just love talking to you and love hearing what you had to say. So I'm thrilled that now I can interview you about your new book. So thank you so much for joining me today and welcome. And I'm really thrilled to see you again. Oh, thank you
0: so much, Dr. Caroline. And as I was saying to you, your episode went down so well on my podcast. I got so many messages. Just saying, oh my God, I didn't realize that I could clear up my mental mess and now I know how. So your book has been tremendously helpful to so many of my listeners.
1: Oh, well, thank you for that. Well, I know the same, my listeners will have the same feeling towards your book, which is just so lovely. It's a beautiful book. It's an amazing book. I love the title, Happy Not Perfect. I mean, that's just fantastic. And I tell you, there's so much wonderful stuff in here. But before we start, Would you mind telling my viewers and listeners just a little bit about you? And you've got a great back-end story. So just dive in and tell us who you are and what your story is and why it led you to do what you do with the podcast and writing this book. Yeah. So, I mean, my background was
0: definitely not in mental health at all. And well, I guess it was slightly in in the sense that I grew up with a, a mother who's a psychotherapist and a father who suffered from chronic mental health. So I was in this almost kind of household that was an experiment. Because, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, on the one hand my mother was, you know, bringing every latest therapy under the sun and on the other hand my dad was really suffering and luckily he was very open to being a guinea pig and I That's guess That's great. <laughs> yeah, but you know what it took time for him to be a guinea pig and that was actually a big theme in my book and this idea between flexible thinking and stiff thinking because he came from the viewpoint that I can't change my mental health. This is the way I am. This is the way I'll always be. And my mom was like, absolutely not. It's the science doesn't show that therapy doesn't show that everybody can change their mind. Everybody can change, you know, how they manage their mind as your book shows. And that was my childhood, seeing this conversation play out in real time. And also before the world was even talking about mental health. This was when 20 years ago or so when, you know, mental health was kept to yourself or just behind closed doors. And I probably, you know, you're in your teenage years, you don't even necessarily are that aware of what's happening around you. And I'm not sure if your children are, I mean, they probably are like, you know, all many neuroscientists having you as a mother. (laughs)
1: they actually have got four it's four four adult children three of them work for me so and my right. husband so we've got the whole lot and my my son weighs in as well all the time so they are like yeah. many neuroscientists yes yeah well did they, were they
0: always like that was there an age that they suddenly were like okay this information is life-changing I have to be a part of
1: it it was an interesting journey because they were exposed to this from very young so as I was Practicing and, and, and doing research right from when before they were born and all the way through the you know the, them growing up. I was always had a practice doing research, so they were hearing these conversations all the time. And when they had their issues, they would I would you know help them with them. And we, we had a very open home of talking. They, they, I would encourage them to talk about their feelings. So they they grew up into this. They all said that they're not going to work for me. They're going to do their own thing. And I encouraged them to go to university. They all went to university, all got their degrees, all went out into the workplace. Except my eldest daughter started working for us immediately. But the other the two did other stuff first and now they would been working for me for quite a while so my youngest just joined us so yeah there's a, you know it, it was in- they came in when they were ready but definitely the interest in mind and brain was they grew up in it they were immersed in it so they were always helping their friends and always people would come to them for advice so they're very good at they're very wise I must say they teach me a lot <laughs> Well, it's that kind of happened with me almost because when I was eighteen,
0: I went to go study politics, and I then became a TV host. And so, I was hosting shows in England. I then moved to LA. I was working for MTV and E, and interviewing everybody you can imagine. And then I launched my first talk show at the age of twenty-three. I had millions of people watching, and suddenly I launched this the first ever talk show on Snapchat, which was the first time they were trying out content on obviously this. You know, app that had been downloaded by 100 million people or so. Suddenly, I started getting hundreds of messages of people who were just saying, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm, and I remember I'd call up my mom and be like, Well, what do I say? What do I say to this person? What do I say? And I remember one night, I suddenly thought, Well, what, what do you do? Because again, this was what, six years ago, we didn't have these podcasts. We didn't have like so much research and resources are out now. What on earth do you do when you're especially in the middle of the night and you're alone with your mind and your, our minds can be so overwhelming. It can tell us fierce lies and what on earth do we do with it? And That was when I decided to want to put my mom into an app. I thought, well, how do I put a psychotherapist into an app? And that's what changed my entire career. I stopped TV hosting and I found, literally stalked this neuroscientist I found um, at UCLA down the road where I was living. And I was like, how do we get the science of happiness into an app? And that then led me into, to be honest, dedicating my life to trying to bring this information that you you teach every single day for the last 32 years, but to take it into a format that all ages, even 12-year-olds, 8-year-olds can start practicing mental wellness on a day-to-day basis. And I guess what, what happened during that time when I was receiving these messages, I had my own chronic breakdown, my anxiety, my perfectionism, my faulty childhood beliefs that I've thought, thought that you know success meant working myself to the bone, not ever stopping. It all came toppling and i feel like mental health often ha- happens like this we become a snowball it's like the one plate just we can't spin that one extra plate and it's the the straw that it breaks the camel's back and it was and i suddenly thought oh god i need to i actually now need to start listening to my mom and i also need to start actually learning about the the greatest tool that we have that can often be our most troublesome tool but also our greatest Yes. Oh,
1: wow. That's incredible. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know this happens to me, even though I work in the field of mental health, and I find it incredibly helpful to talk to someone I trust when I find myself in a stuck place. Indeed, one of the best things about our society today is that we can access professional help at the click of a button. If we need to talk to someone about what we are going through, we don't even have to leave the house. This is why I love and recommend BetterHelp to everyone that asks me. They are an amazing company that can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so that you can start communicating in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. They also have a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, and their services are available for clients worldwide. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Dr. Lee, that's Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I am proud to say that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and cleaning up the mental mess listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash The link and offer details are in the show notes. You know, if you think of what you just said, that perfectionistic drive, I mean, at 23, you've been so successful already, to that what you achieved in your career at such a young age and that high demand of being constantly on. I mean, I know what it feels like to be constantly on in front of a camera where no matter what you're going through, you still have to have a hold it all together and, and be happy and together and focused and tuned into your guests. And for you to have had all of that at such a young age and that drive to work so hard and I mean, those are not bad qualities, but if they're not managed, mm-hmm. as you said, the last plate just cannot spin. And that's at the store that breaks the camel's back. And I think this is just a story that's so relatable in so many different ways to so many different people. So things came tumbling down and yet you pulled yourself up and, you, and in, in, the, in the process of that, you also had built this app. I also have an app called NeuroCycle, which is also that goes with the book Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which is to also to try and help people understand how to manage your mind and the mental mess in the daily moment. And we all need to, probably what the point I'm making here is that what you have done and what I've done is we've tried to bring this concept of mental health as a narrative to a more a gentle a more gentle narrative, not just hide it away that we had before, to this, oh, it's a brain disease, which is the current, you know narrative, as you and I both spoke about before, but to rather get a medium happy ground, which is we're all human and we're all battling. And it's okay to collapse and to recognize why we've collapsed and what to do about it.
0: And just, you know, and just on that point too, I, you know, for a long time generally thought that I wasn't worthy of mental health help because I was like, well, my problems aren't bad enough. And, you know, I thought, well, I haven't gone through big T trauma, like, you know, you know, so as a consequence, my, my mini traumas, oh, they're pathetic. I don't, I don't deserve, I don't deserve care. And it was the, it was the worst, it was some of the most toxic beliefs because we invalidate our own experiences because this really feeds into comparison. Not only are we overwhelmed to comparison, we, you know, just, comparing our own reality to other people's highlights reels, but we're also comparis- comparing t- traumas now where we're like, well, my mental health isn't as bad as that, so I don't deserve help. And it's just, it it doesn't help anyone to compare, you know, pain has no hierarchy. And that was one of the greatest things i learned.
1: Oh, pain has no hierarchy that's such a good point, and I love how you've emphasized there that we all have focused on the big T and thinking that's the one that that's deserving of treatment but that's uh, that's why we have to recognize that if you're human you have you have mental health issues. you know you we talked about this before that there's statistics one in four of depression one in five have have anxiety you know all these statistics that are thrown out there, and I think we said i think when you interviewed me, I did say this, but it goes to your point that it's not those those statistics are wrong. of us are battling with depression, anxiety, fear, burnout, stress, perfectionism, in different, on a different continuum because it's all different things. And, and it's those little things that do build up. We, we just don't pay enough attention. They're as damaging to your heart and your brain and your every system of your body as those big T traumas because they're little and they're cumulative. And then you made another point about how you felt that you didn't deserve help for those little things. So all the viewers and listeners, what we are both saying, Poppy and myself are both saying today is that you're human. You're a mental mess, you're having mental health problems, and it's okay. You're one of yeah. us. We all do. It's yeah. not there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you're going through life and you deserve to have your to to have your story heard and to get the help that you need. Yeah,
0: and abs- absolutely. And suddenly when you accept yourself and acknowledge how you feel, and you know, and you talk about this research a lot, but our emotions and our brain actually diffuses it. It's like as soon as we label an emotion, it actually has less impact on us. And just by you know, that's where the you know the research behind journaling is so powerful and talking through kind of just how we're feeling, it actually helps us move through it rather than like pushing it all down and snowballing or pushing it all down and then you know the body holds the score and I'm suddenly like, Oh God, I've got a really, really sore shoulder. I wonder why that is it's like, well, we never, ever, ever gave acknowledged actually, you know, they say moving house and I'm not sure what you think about this because obviously you're far more into the research than I am, but moving house in a study found was just as stressful as divorce and death.
1: Yeah. there's, and, there's Yeah. They've got the top sort of seven things that are, and that, that goes, that's one moving countries, moving house, those kind yeah. Right. And, you know, we don't even probably give ourselves credit when we're just,
0: you know, and especially if you've got a family and you're trying to shift everyone, like that, that, that's actually a lot, but we don't often even account for, I'm actually going to, if I know I'm moving house or I know I'm going, I'm going to do a big life changing event, I'm actually going to mark something
1: in my calendar that says recovery day. So good. I love that. Maybe recovery week is me. Recovery month. Exactly. And it's just, yeah. and we're just not giving ourselves enough time. Are we to, even within a day, we need recovery periods. And that's always we talk about thinker moments, but you're talking about recovery periods. I love that to actually, if you've got a big thing coming, have the recovery period. But what about also the little things that we're going through daily to, are we building in little recovery? Are we taking those boundaries? You know, I know as a mom and working and four kids and you can get so, it's so easy just to get sucked in from going from one thing to another that you don't actually even recognize, hey, I'm about to, you know, crash because I need a few, I need an hour just to do absolutely nothing. You know, are we building those things in, into our, into our general life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, quality of perfectionism, which is something that, you know, hence the book name, happy, not perfect, you know, it like, I think perfectionists on the whole, completely overestimate what they can do in a time period. You know, you think you can get to a meeting in half the time that's actually probably going to take you. And you think that you can do far more because you want to do so much. And and it kind of feeds into people pleasing too. And I was, I mean, oh God, I mean, the disease to please was something I really, really had to manage. But it was, you know, you don't want to let anybody down. And so you're saying yes. And by saying yes to someone else, you're saying no to yourself, which also lands you in
1: more mental mess than potentially you need to pee in. Mm, Gosh, you're saying such wise things. Well, let's dive into your book and let's talk about why why you wrote the book. Well, you kind of said that, but give us a sort of synopsis of why you wrote the book. And then I'd love to dive into the actual content because you have said some phenomenal, brilliant stuff in this book. Help me already. Thank you so much. So I wanted to
0: write this book in all honesty because I found that mindfulness and meditation the industry in general I feel like sometimes gives out meditation as like the cure for all and actually do you know what I mean it's like penicillin for everything so you'll stress oh you should try meditation you, you have you tried meditation and actually you know meditation is I find it sometimes really unhelpful it's actually not my route out thank you <laughs> <laughs> right to a calmer life or just a more like emotional regulation. And so the book to me, like what really, really changed my life was knowing more how my mind worked. And so that is a, the first part of the book is you actually hear my own story. You hear how, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the readers can be able to identify their own toxic core beliefs that they installed in childhood, because that becomes the basis of our psyche and also the lens in which we then learn to see the world through. And so, you know, my lens was like, I have to be successful because that means that that's going to be my shield from feeling unworthy, unloved, and unsafe. But if I'm successful I'll have I'll have no problems anymore, ever. And so I'm gonna work myself so hard to make sure that I reach that place of perfection. And obviously, we all know that perfect doesn't exist. And so on my route to the find that pot of gold at the that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, I collapsed and I didn't get there and had a very nasty realization that actually, you know, we are all. We all suffer from this need to feel significant and recognized because it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel like we're part of a tribe. And go, going back to the caveman times, that helped our survival. And as you know, you talk about a lot, our brain is only there to protect us. And I also feel like, you know, the, the mental health industry can often tell us what's wrong, so much about what, what's wrong with us. We read endlessly about all these like negative things about our mind and how our mind is so problematic. But also what you always talk about is we need to know what's right with you, how your brain can work for you. And so the book just uses my personal anecdotes, my personal story, which, you know, they always say like throughout my career, they've always called me Bridget Jones because <laughs> I if, you've love ever, it. if you've ever seen that film, you'll never, always get it wrong. And that was of me, I always got everything wrong. I got fired from three TV presenting jobs. I always, I'd always fuck up the auto cue, like the telly reader. And so it kind of is, yeah, it's kind of like Bridget Jones Swallow's uh, textbook. And really, it's me just t- telling people kind of what really changed my life. And then it finishes on this idea of flexible thinking, which is honestly, it's, you know, you are kind of a, a huge inspiration. I've listened to your podcast for like months and you know infle- and you know when you listen to your guests and listen to you you are the epitome in my eyes of a flexible thinker of oh someone- thank
1: you I'm very honored <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know someone who knows that their brain can always change and that's what you know your neuro recycling is all about like you can change you can change your brain and and also stiff thinking on the other hand is when we fall into stuck patterns we fall into black and white thinking we fall into ca- ca- catastrophizing and and also we like we fall into what the world gives us these binary options like right wrong perfect not perfect and actually everything is a shade of gray you know like depression has many different shades of blue and so flexible thinking is about it's a kind of evolution of growth mindset i guess a flexible mindset like everything is always working out for my highest good. And I may not be able to see the reason now. I may not be able to see the reason why everything seems terrible at this moment in time, but I know that I have my human ability to be flexible and I know I can bend and stretch
1: through whatever I'm going through because it's going to work out for me in the end. Oh, I love that. You know, I did a podcast the other day on life isn't an either or game, it's an and game. And how you can have both I feel terrible, but I've got hope at the same time. Although no, I did not feel the hope now I feel more terrible, but there is it's a, you know, you don't have to be in one or the other. And that black and white thinking is just so dangerous and it does drive the perfectionism. And I just love everything you've said. And this book is just it's really important because it's really practical. It really makes it makes mental health not a mental health disease. You know, I even think the way we talk about mental health, like mental health. And I know it's, we've gone from not talking to talking, but we've as we've already said, we've talked about it now in actually a more scary way. It's like you hit it, now, we, now it's this huge, big neuropsychiatric brain disease. And, and, and that's what I love about your book is that and your work is that you're trying to normalize something that we humans, we battle and let's dig our way through and find a way out of it. And your flexible thinking concepts brilliant. So I want to dive in a little deeper. And I'm going to go back to, do you want to say more about part one? Because part one, you talk about your life. Part two, you talk about flex your life. And then you talk about three, the flex in real life. So do you want to... To to say a little bit more about part one, you talk about my toxic core beliefs, cold shower reality checks, your brain is so bitchy. I love that. And and just very quickly there, I wanted to say, I don't know if you saw this, there was a study came out recently. There's so much stuff about early childhood development and early adverse childhood experience. We all know that, but there's also research showing that you can have a great childhood, like you had great parents and still grow up with, in fact, there's no there's no human who's not going to have mental health issues. So yeah, yeah, so we've made this thing that, Oh, you've early childhood, that's the reason. And everyone who's battling, oh, you must have terrible parents. But the, you know, listen, I've got four kids and they all battle my kids and I battle. Doesn't mean that I was the worst parent. Yes, I did stuff wrong and me working through stuff and my mom did things wrong, but there's, you can, it was a pretty good childhood my kids had and so did I. And yet people are going, this is normal. There isn't a person on the planet who's not battling. Anyway, so do you want to say a little bit more about your, like your childhood, your toxic core beliefs and cold child reality checks and why your brain is so bitchy? I just, I just love those titles and I love what you say. So. Pick, a, yeah, pick so, up a couple of things. And that study, actually, funny enough, my mum called me to tell me
0: about that study. Did and I she? Oh,
1: good. I thought you'd know about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I. And I just thought, and it's
0: so true because when I was writing this book, I suddenly thought, God, I don't want like I. I feel almost mean to be talking about my toxic core childhood core beliefs because, in all honesty, my you know I was very privileged in the sense that they were very loving, but you know my parents are still together. But them being together has caused me trauma because, you know, when it comes, and I didn't actually write this in the book, but when it comes to relationships, I now compare, I have unrealistic expectation of potentially what a marriage looks like, but actually my friends who potentially had more unstable and more like an unstable relationship, potentially divorce, multiple divorces, actually they have a healthier romantic life now in their later life because they understand that a breakup is actually very normal. You can stay friends They They've been shown. Conflict can be a positive thing if you work it out right. So it's so true, like everything that potentially looks glorious when you're little actually can, you know, cause problems. And everything that looks tragic when you're little actually can be so brilliant in creating resilience when you're older. Absolutely. In the messiness, you can repair and grow. Absolutely. And and that's so positive for children to, you know, see change and actually positives to come out of what may on, you know, on the surface look like a bad change. So I really, I was thought that was just such wonderful research that just came out just then. But yeah, so my toxic core beliefs were, you know, I grew up with deep financial insecurity. My dad was, you know, an, an entrepreneur whose business we constantly worried about. And I had an old brother that would, you know, come and knock on my door at night and be like, well, have we have no money? Like, we're going to have to go on the street. And, you know, that, like that fear when you're little of just of complete instability, I think, and me and my two brothers into complete workaholics, because for us, we were like, okay, we're going to create financial safety for us when we're older. So we're going to work so hard. And, you know, and that's a, you know, a positive coping mechanism. But like you said, everything out of moderation can always turn toxic. And, you know, an addiction is something outside of ourselves to make ourselves feel better inside. And, you know, addiction, we often always think, oh, that's going to be drugs or alcohol. But I was addicted to an outside to work. I did the same thing, and
1: and no one really. We don't really talk about it that no, much. we don't talk. Like, I'm so glad you brought this up. I honestly did the same thing. I, I work was my. I had to get security. I've had this thing my whole life. I've, I've got to work to get the security. So I get, I get what you're saying. I relate. I can relate to what you're saying, and I, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's not discussed. I haven't heard many people talking about this.
0: Yeah. And it's really, you know, it's, it's, and obviously the digital world is, is kind of the, it's like giving heroin to heroin addicts because the the digital world is like, okay, now you can work 24 seven, you know, there is no cutoff. And, and so when I'm feeling stressed, like what makes me feel unstressed is like sitting by my laptop, which, you know, That's not like, obviously I have more awareness. And I think when the ancient Greeks said, know thyself as like, you know, uh, the greatest, you know, kind of gift we can give ourselves, they really weren't wrong. And just knowing, like, even being able to say, like, actually, I do have a tendency to like overwork is, it means that, you know, you can balance yourself and make sure that you aren't just,
1: you know, crazy until the, you know, early hours of the morning. Yeah, that's so good. And I love that. I love that. that, Carry on, carry on that thread. I think it's fantastic what you're saying.
0: So, so that was kind of, you know, that was when I was, and I, you know, I had awareness of this, but definitely like sitting down for the purpose of this book really made me like, You know, it was an amazing process that I suddenly thought, I honestly, even if your book is never going to be read by a single person and I read this, I honestly wrote this book as if nobody was going to read it. It has my, it has my, I used to keep a diary and it has my diary entries from when I'm 11 years old. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. And what's so interesting about them is it shows so clearly how my eleven year old beliefs were still with me, you know, like decades later? Still I saw that I, when I read life.
1: that. Yeah, I saw it I, when you commented. I thought that's so interesting. And it was. it's, you know, and 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 as and I think this also
0: leads into this idea of like, and look, things are changing a lot in the last three years. I've seen dramatic changes culturally, but as women, we were also told that we had to be these perfect specimens, like. Growing up, kind of like honestly, like almost having like Stepford wives as, you know, as this thing that we as the model, like, and this idea that you know, you know, happiness was the only emotion that we were allowed to feel or allowed to express or show, and you know, and I personally do like astrology. It probably has a zero science behind it, but I use it as a tool for reflection. And so, I identify being you know, Cancerian, which is a highly emotional sign, and so I've always, you know, I am, you know, someone who has like extru- like quite you know very vivid emotions, I guess. And so I found, I think I found life even harder because, you know, I was feeling such intense emotions and yet never taught really how to regulate them or
1: process them or how to, you know, we're kind of told to feel, but not how to feel. No, yeah. And if it gets too out of the, if it gets too out of the box, you know, just shove it down and, you know, be an ostrich. (laughs) Right, exactly, and
0: so these kind of these core beliefs without us, and we all have core beliefs, and they could be different from you know for everyone listening, but just having an awareness of them, kind of, and this really leads
1: into like this the this part too. But we have to start challenging our yeah, core beliefs. Yeah, that's what I love. I love what you said there. Sorry to interrupt you. How you said you've got to have curiosity about everything. So it's awareness and then the curiosity. Yes. And you know it's, it's just what you said. It's,
0: and this is when this idea of the flex came up because, oh, and I'll say one more point about like my cold shower reality checks. And this was really when I started to listen to podcasts like yours and started reading book and started taking my, taking responsibility of my own mental health education. And I feel like that, you know, and that to me in my twenties, like changed my life. And I just wish that like that more, I had this earlier in a way, if we had more people you know, more resources earlier because taking responsibility of like learning about your own mental health is like the best time investment you could ever give yourself. And and learning, you know, in a very basic format, and I'm sure everybody listening knows this, but, you know, that parasympathetic nervous state and this is a sympathetic nervous state. And for me, I like was like, ah, oh, this to me feels like two radio stations that we have in our mind and we can only play one radio station. So either we're playing like stressed FM or like stressed, like whatever the, like KLM, whatever the radio stations are in the States or chilled FM. And I can always ask myself, am I blaring heavy metal, like drumming, bashing sounds on my stressed FM right now? Or am I listening to whale and dolphin sounds on my chilled FM? And if I am playing stressed FM, how do I get up to chilled FM? Because we can't play the same radio station at the same time.
1: That's so good. That's so good. That's that self-regulation.
0: Right. This like, oh, and I suddenly was like, oh, wow. Okay. If I switch radio stations, I can feel my emotions, but they do not have to like overrule me. Do
1: so you control them.
0: Yes. And this then brought me to the flex and the four-part flex.
1: That's it. So that's, that's, that's the second part of the book where you get into the four. Uh, what is flexible thinking and connection and curiosity and choice and commitment? I loved. it. So it's connection, curiosity, choice, and commitment. So let's talk about flexible thinking. So from your story, you basically realized that you needed to change how you thought, but it started with you taking responsibility for your mental health. You said some, I just quickly wanted to emphasize for the listeners and viewers, this concept of education around mind is not being done. And this is what I've tried to do my whole life. In every school I've ever worked in, in every medical institution, I've trained thousands of doctors, I've trained hundreds of thousands of people, and I keep saying we've got to teach our kids from young. We yes. have to teach them from young. The mind is malleable and you're never going to stop developing your mind. Even though I'm in the field, I'm still training my mind. So this, what you said there to have the resources and we fortunately have moved into a day and age now where resources now, as you, in the last three, four years, it's changed dramatically how accessible resources are. Before it was always just the white coats and go to the professional. And now it's so much more we can actually help each other, which is so great. And then I love how you said there that you took, you took you the cold shower wake up reality that as you educated yourself you had to you realized you had to take responsibility and, and a lot of people say well how can I take responsibility if I was traumatized you can't take responsibility for what someone did to you but you can take responsibility for how you're going to deal with that in going into the future so it's your response to that situation how you're going to manage the trauma and how you're going to transform the trauma and and change how it plays out into your future and I think that's what you're talking about there taking that responsibility
0: yes and it, it that and that's so true and it was I I kept thinking to myself, well, I, hold on a minute. Surely, you know, Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And I suddenly thought surely this is not life for us to be struggling the entire time, stuck in our past conditioning, stuck in our past coding. And, you know, it may not have been your parents that taught you faulty beliefs. It could have been your environment. It could have been your teachers. It Like anything that created like a strong emotional reaction when you're little, you probably formed stronger kind of neurocircuits around it. But as you know, and and as your book outlined so clearly is that we also can reprune, we can regarden our mind. And that was like this huge awakening. And I suddenly thought, oh, wow, I don't need to be the person I was. I actually have, and science has proven this, that I can change. And the best thing about it, I can design the future I want. And rather than like, and and how we design the future we want is by making better decisions. And the, Ray Dalio, his, his, this is his quote, you know, the quality of our life is based on the quality of our decisions. But for, but for me, my emotions were like, were so out of control. My mental health was so out of control, but I was making bad decisions. I was being so reactive. The last thing I was doing was pausing. And actually being able to switch on the wise side of, side of my brain, that wise old owl, that badassy prefrontal cortex to start making the decisions for me. But, you know, it, I was allowing my monkey mind, messy mind, as you say, like <laughs> run my show. And knowing this idea of like, you know, the power of pause and and that's why I developed the four steps of the flex to say, I actually don't want my future to look like my past. I actually don't want my relationships to be consistently looking like the same and upgrading not only my mindset. And it really is like our, our mindset and our outlook, but also upgrading the way that my confirmation bias, the way that I'm like, interpreting situations.
1: Yeah, just so that's oh, that's brilliant. So then from there you shifted into that. So let's talk about each of those. I love this. Okay, so let's talk about. You basically do you, want, do you want to define what you see as flexible thinking? Because I like the way you define it. Let's start there, and then let's talk about each of them: connection, curiosity, choice, and commitment.
0: Yes. So, flexible thinking is the ability that we have to choose how we want to respond to any situation. It is our. God-given, biological-driven, human hardware ability to always be able to be malleable. And it is the opposite, as I said, of stiff thinking, which is stuck in past patterns, binary thinking, black black and white, and also brittle thinking that, you know, something challenging a setback happen a setback happens to us, and we collapse and just like our bodies, and if we want flexibility in our body, that takes you know, and you talk about this a lot, constant work. it is a commitment and a dedication, a lifelong commitment to keeping our minds flexible, and that is daily activities and it's a daily like re-educating re-education, re-educating because when we
1: don't you know practice flexibility we will become stiff again. Exactly. Oh, I love it. It's like you you don't keep going to the gym, you get stiff, and then you wonder why you feel sore. So it's the same thing. So you have invested in the best mattress you can. You bought all the coolest sleep gadgets out there. But have you looked at your sheets? If you are anything like me, you will know how hard it is to get a good night's rest and wake up feeling refreshed mentally and physically in sheets that are subpar, tattered, or just plain scratchy. This is why I love Bolin Branch, a fair trade company that knows high-quality sleep doesn't stop at your mattress. Their ultra-soft, 100% organic, toxic-free sheets are transparently sourced and produced in safe, fair conditions, which is so important to our globalized world. You'll feel a difference and know you are making one. My personal favorite bedding from Bolin & Branch is their Signature Hemmed Sheets, which is a best seller for a good reason. They get softer with every wash. Not only are they buttery smooth on your skin, it's like sleeping in a moisturizer, but they are so lightweight with 100% organic cotton, sateen weave that's perfect for all seasons. My husband and I never get too hot or cold at night. To experience the best sheets you've ever felt, choose bowl and branch. You can try them worry-free for 30 nights. With free shipping and returns. And my listeners get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code Dr. Leaf at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B O L L and branch.com. Promo code Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details are in the show notes. You know, we, we, we clean our teeth every day, we clean we bathe every day, we clean our house every day. You know, it's it's like we should be managing our mind all the time. And this is you know, what you're teaching here is we've got to manage our mind, we've got to keep developing our flexible thinking. Because we keep changing experiences as well. Each day is different to the next day, each experience is adding to our our experience a sort of storage in our non-conscious mind. So we need to be constantly adapting and changing. I remember once someone working for me years ago and saying that, gosh, Caroline, you're always changing things or changing. I said, that's the, and she meant it as an insult. I said, you've given me the greatest compliment that you could ever give me because that's exactly what it's about. If I stay the same, that's really bad. I hope I'm changing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, you know, I love looking at nature, you know, for kind of
0: examples. I I just think of, you know, reasons why, you know, we can take inspiration from it. But trees, they always shed their leaves every year. Snakes, they always shed their skins. And, you know, we always are in a process of evolution. And I think part of the reason I think so many of us are struggling is that, you know, we've spent so much time creating this very fast world but so little time adapting to what we've created
1: that's so good that's really good (laughs)
0: You know, and I suddenly thought, wow, you know, like, of course, of course that this online world that we've created is overwhelming because, you know, as you said, like our DNA has barely changed since caveman times. And yet we are expected to, you know, respond to a million different time zones because it's all possible, but doesn't mean that we should do all of it. Like this is where we need to bring back, you know, the element of choice and deciding what we want to do every day, rather than just being kind of like pushed along with the tide of, you know, what everybody else around us wants us to do. Do or what kind of culture is kind of telling us to do. Set those boundaries. Yes. And the point of flexible thinking was based on these four steps, like, which was connection, curiosity, choice, and commitment. And so the first step connection, and this is all about connection is broken into two points, which is first of all, connect with how you feel. And this is that, that moment of pause. Rather than being that kind of like, the, you know, the monkey that's like responding to everything, reacting, it's pausing, and connecting. And, you know, a big inspiration for me was act therapy, acceptance commitment therapy, and the diffusion technique, which is, you know, today my mind feels. And I love this today. We remind ourselves emotions are temporary. My mind, and as you write a lot, we are not our emotions. You know, let's not over identify with our emotion. We may be experiencing depression. We are not a depressed person. We may be experiencing anxiety. We are not an anxious person. It's an experience. And so this sentence like today, my mind feels, and then I, and then my, like my favorite quote that I have written above my desk, we can't think our way out of a problem. We have to move our way. And for me, I think, you know, the, the energy, I think as Einstein said this quote, the energy that created a problem cannot solve the problem it created. And so we ask like, we need new energy. We're frustrated. Like we, it difficult to find that solution to that problem you're frustrated about when you've sat in the same position, your shoulders are probably tense or, and actually when you, I call them flexercise and this idea of when you actually change, you biohack your body, you relax your shoulders down, you start doing a belly breath, you maybe go for a brisk walk for 20 minutes and you create this new energy that actually suddenly, huh you can find a new perspective. And I like to say when you've got to, you've got to strengthen the connection with your body. And it's a bit like a phone line, you know, when you've called someone up and they're like, Oh, I can't really hear you. The signal's a bit out. And you'll say, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to like reattach the wifi. And they're like, I can hear you perfectly.
1: That is the so good. reboot. So good.
0: Reboot. That's the connection with our body. It's like, let's reconnect, like let's strengthen the connection with our body by moving our body. And I think you know, you know, the the research that says five days
1: of exercise a week is the equivalent of a low grade antidepressant. I mean, it's just, and you can do, you can do 15 minutes of of mind management and you've, Beaten. I mean, that antidepressant has all the side effects. It just numbs your brain. It's not fixing anything. It just numbs your brain. But the feeling of, okay, I've got a bit of relief. You can get in within five to 10 minutes of mind management, which is, and these techniques, these these four C's you're talking about are mind management. They're basic principles of mind management. You know, that, 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 you talk about commitment to yourself, to your feelings, then the, the neurocycle step, which you spoke about, you know, the the gather awareness, the first step, you are gathering awareness of getting you committing to your feelings, finding out what they are in a very objective way i love this and then the second step is curiosity
0: and i think that this like it is such an underused quality and adjective and like a curious person is never going to be bored they're never going to be uninteresting like my favorite people are curious people because they're interesting and they're interested and not only are they interested and interested in the outside world but they're also like, they're also going to question themselves. And this is the difference between somebody that believes they're bitchy in a critic or someone who actually gets curious, challenges their bitchy and a critic and says, hold on, like that little mean ego inside that never ending, like, you know, chatter is what you're saying. True. And a woman I I follow and I love her work is this woman. I'm sure you've heard of her Byron Katie. Yes. And she has her four questions, which I remember hearing, I mean, years ago, and they didn't really resonate. I didn't think I quite understood the power of them. And when I really got reintroduced to her work, when I was going through kind of like a real kind of downturn in my mental health, I suddenly was like, oh, oh my God. And it all makes sense. This The root of our suffering is in our thoughts. And her four
1: questions. There you go. Remember my toxic tree? The root of your suffering is in your thoughts. There it is. There's the root. And it's in the thoughts and it plays up. (laughs) I also love that
0: model of the toxic tree that you have, because it is like a lightning, like a negative lightning. It's like, like,
1: and you want to get rid of it. (laughs) Sorry, I just
0: had to, as soon as you said that, I thought, no, we need the tree. (laughs) We need the tree. We need the tree. That was a good, that was, I'm glad we had that image. And, and, you know, in her four questions, it's like, let's say, oh gosh, like somebody listened to oh, Oh God, the audience are not going to like me. And then let's say I'll go through the four questions. Like one, is this true? Well, I think yes, I do think it's true. Can I be a hundred percent sure this is true? Oh, well, no, well, no, I don't know. I don't actually know what people's minds are thinking, and I can't look into people's minds. So I probably know, I probably don't 100 percent true. How does this thought make me feel? Well, unmotivated, unconfident, bad about myself. Who would I be without this thought? Confident, happy, at peace motivated this one needs to go (laughs) right and you suddenly like oh my god i create so much suffering from things that we
1: don't even know is are true so so true that's excellent. That's that's why I always talk about the reflect is the second step where you have to bring in the curiosity and ask, answer, and discuss and keep asking, answering, discussing to find that level of truth. And if you don't have curiosity, and you know, it's amazing, Poppy, how many people don't ask. Like you said, it's just not a Question that's used. Curiosity is just not, and it's becoming a kind of a buzzword now. People are getting more into it, although not as much as I'd like, but I'm so, so I'm glad you've raised that. But we so trained to just think, oh, well, this is who I am. This is how I feel so dominated by that toxic feeling that they're not questioning that feeling and then wondering why it's dragging them down. And, and it makes you feel so hopeless. If you're not curious, you feel hopeless. But if you're curious, you feel hopeful because you can, oh, actually, I don't need to think in that way or feel that way. I can actually change this. You can make it a healthy tree. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Look at that green (laughs) sprouting healthy tree. (laughs)
0: But it also, you know, and this relates back to having that awareness around, you know, faulty core beliefs that we've developed when we were little because we suddenly go, hold in a minute. And I call them ants, which are automatic negative thoughts. And I'm like those naughty ants that run around your brain, challenge them, go stamp those ants out. And this idea that, oh, hold on a minute, like, oh, the thought that people don't like me. Hmm, Poppy, this is a very familiar negative thought that your brain likes to always taunt you with this go back to when you were little because you were so desperate to be liked because you felt that if you were liked you know you'd be safe and you're like oh god this is my 12 year old brain coming out again maybe that was you know why curiosity was a big like part of like flexible thinking and then it moves into choice and you know I was debating whether I needed this step and I actually thought you know what change only happens when we really want it to and I think Often we have a lot of false starts and that's fine because, you know, we're like, oh, I want change. I do want change. I would do want change. Or someone maybe has suggested that maybe, oh, you you know, I don't know. Do you want to go see a therapist? You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I do. But until you really want change. And my mom, to be honest, is really the biggest advocate of this because she'll obviously have a lot of parents that will call her up and say, oh, can you have a look? You know, can you talk to my child? And she's like, honestly, if your child doesn't call me themselves, there's no point like you people change comes from within and so this idea that we re-recognize that we all have choice and we've choice to and this really like feeds back to my love of like dr rick hansen who you know talks about in our brain we have the the wolf of love and the wolf of fear and at every moment we're only feeding one wolf and one wolf is getting fatter or one wolf is getting skinnier and you know which wolf of are you feeding and, you know, you've got that choice. Like, am I going to respond to this situation with love or am I going to respond in fear? And when, and we only have, uh, at, you know, our core emotions, we only have love or fear and
1: every exactly. other emotion everything is comes a, underneath it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I have to just say, thank you for saying that because I've been teaching that for years. You're the first person and I've interviewed hundreds of people and I've been in this field for 38 years. You're the first person who's actually said that. Besides ah! myself, I'm so excited. Love and fear, the <laughs> two only, emo- and then everything are underneath it. They all, they all come underneath that sort of, if you think of a little flow chart. So there's love, there's fear, and then everything else comes underneath that. So well, that is the I was biggest excited. Com- that is the <laughs> biggest compliment, Dr. Lee. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited that you said
0: that. Yeah. And that, when I read that, oh God, it changed everything. And I suddenly, the, the decisions that I was, I was finding really difficult to make, I suddenly was like, Oh, okay. I have a choice. What decision would be moving towards love and what decision would be out of fear and life becomes a lot simple. And, you know, should I leave my job or not? Well, what decision is in, in, in service of love for yourself and which one is in fear? And it is, and it is, yeah, this is not easy.
1: You know, it's not easy. No, it's not. That, when it gets to those things, it's 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 easy to explain But when you get down to that core stuff, where you're actually dealing with something like a job, and you know that, that a marriage or a relationship or something, it's hard. Yeah, and I mean, relationship. I and mean, That question feeds
0: them so well. Like, am I with this person because of fear that I won't find anybody else, or you know? And I, on the whole, I generally think that we have lower self-esteem than we have high. We have to really, really work at having healthy self-esteem and asking questions like that regularly. And at the end of the day, the only way where I think we build our self-esteem is from doing and collecting positive data to affirm that actually, yes, it's good. It Actually, choosing that love route always comes up trumps.
1: I am a big believer in the healing power of CBD. But with so many CBD products out there, it can be hard to know what is the best quality and worth the money. So, after doing extensive research and testing different products, I switched to NED. They produce the highest quality, full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants, all sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. NED is a trusted wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. And... They do not cut corners nor spare expense when it comes to CBD production. They use zero isolates or synthetic ingredients and share third-party lab reports for full transparency. NED's high-quality products can be used as a sleep aid and help with insomnia, an anti-inflammatory, a natural pain reliever, to treat anxiety and PTSD, to treat depression as a rich source of antioxidants, treatment of serious chronic conditions such as epilepsy parkinson's alzheimer's and more if you want to check out ned and try their cbd for yourself i have a special offer for you go to www.helloned.com forward slash dr leaf or enter dr leaf at checkout for 15 percent of your first one-time order or 20 percent of your first subscription order plus free shipping that's h-e-l-l-o-n-e-d dot com slash leaf to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Subscription orders are already discounted 15% off the one-time purchase price. Your discount code will add 5% off for a total of 20% off subscription orders. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. And that comes back to the self-regulation, because when you self-regulate, you can then, you've always got the option with every choice, you're going to be fed with two options. And so if you can get this data versus this data and, and understand how the two are, actually how this negatively impacts you, the fear one versus the love one, and focus more on this and give this more energy so that you take the energy from that, you're going to then make a good choice. But a lot of the time, people are just driven by reacting reactions. So there's a lot more of seeing life like this, or not enough time spent, you spoke about pause. They, these come up so quickly, you know, that they there is this competing thing. And so we don't actually pause to think, okay, what am I actually being informed by? And that's where your you know, choice is a time thing. It's not, you know, it's not that immediate response. It's taking the time to think it through and to analyze, to self-regulate. So important.
0: I once had this lovely kind of spiritual teacher who always used to say at the beginning of our lessons, Poppy, pause, what a pleasure." pause what a pleasure pause what a pleasure and i you know just by putting those a couple of the, a couple of those words together i'm like wow what a privilege it is to be able to pause because when we are in a life or death situation we don't have the privilege to pause
1: and that's where we've got to make sure that we've trained ourselves. And this is some of the, some of the arguments that I make in my work is that in those acute traumatic situations, life and death situations where you've got to make the immediate decision, if you've trained yourself to be someone who is curious and committed, all those things you're talking about, who's actually, and that's the, the whole neuropsychal process, which tr- in, implements your principles of commitment, choice, curiosity and connection, connection. You then are setting up networks in your brain. And I talk about this in my book too, where you actually preemptively set up networks in your brain for the times when you can, when you need to make the acute decision so that you train yourself to listen to the wise mind. But if we don't practice that, we, the chances of, of hit and miss and missing the wise mind are stronger. But if you practice it, the chances of hitting the wise mind in an acute situation increase. So that's just going to your point. Having these principles as life philosophies are vital. Yes.
0: And they, and honestly, I used to be the most reactive person ever. You can probably sadly ask people who, you know, who I've worked with and they'll be like, oh God, Poppy on an email, you know, I'm firing back an emotional email. And honestly, it just got him in so much trouble. And this is, you know, this work, I truly, you know, from an anecdotal uh, perspective and also all the research, you know, as you've said, backs it up, practicing these emotional regulation techniques changes changes your life
1: and suddenly so much more peace
0: oh and better outcomes like outcomes that move you forward rather than get you kept in past stuck in past patterns
1: yeah stuck in the past or stuck in this like ruminating cycle you actually progress forward and you don't get scared of those things you actually use them you use the toxic toxic, toxicity will be bad experiences you actually use them for your good and turn them around and move forward
0: Yes. And then the last step is commitment, which is commitment to our highest self, commitment to the future that we want. And that is really important to know where you're going and, you know, someone, I remember when, from a really young age, someone was, I think I must, it must have been like, honestly, when I was probably 10 or 11, I remember someone saying, it doesn't matter, you know, life is like a skateboard. It doesn't matter where you're, where you really point your skateboard. You've got to point it somewhere for it to move, but without a direction, the skateboard can't move. And it's so, and it really stuck with me because actually, you know, and I think the word manifesting can get very fluffy and very confusing in this kind of like, you know. Self-helpy world. But this site, but you know, some of the like core principles of it in terms of taking the time to go, right, in 10 years' time, who do I want to be? Rather than what do I want to achieve? Who do I want to be? What do I want my life filled with? And in the book, there's loads of exercises within the chapters that help you start to answer questions. So you start to have a firmer grip on firmer view. And so again, Doing the work off field means that when you're in the field of life, you start automatically making decisions in service of that future self. And one of the best, I think, exercises that I do a lot, especially when it comes to making better decisions, is especially when you're having those days and you're kind of low on energy and you're just kind of, you know, you're just not in your best headspace. How would my best self respond to this? Or what would my best self say? What would my best self do? Or I like to have flexi mentors. So I think to myself, flexi mentors, I like that. (laughs) So I would say, you know, if I was in a situation, I'm like, right, what would Dr. Leaf do? And suddenly your wise brain can start being activated because. You're not, you're not like over-personalized in the situation being lost in your emotions. So for all of your listeners, honestly, join, join me by thinking what
1: Dr. Lee. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. <laughs> I wonder and, what I would do. Then I'll think, what would Poppy do? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you can tap into
0: someone else's wisdom and someone else's teachings and, and, you know, and, and activate
1: a different part of your brain when you're, you know, in those moments of high emotion. I love that. You know, Poppy, you said something that is something that I just wanted to emphasize and and make a point around, and that is that Everyone has this wise mind. And we and when you're not in that position and you ask someone else for advice, you generally pretty often get good advice. We're pretty good as humans at giving advice to other people. We have empathy. We have perspective when it's not our own issue. And that's where the commitment to that deep, meaningful connection is so vitally important that we actually do reach out and get that perspective from other people. And they may be in a terrible place themselves, but there's wisdom inside of them and they can see your situation in another way. So we shouldn't be scared to talk... Obviously, you've got to be careful who you talk to and how much you say. Obviously, you're going to be selective about that. But everyone has got this ability to reach out and give great advice to each other. You know, we're really good at giving other people advice better than taking it ourselves.
0: Uh, Completely. And, you know, that's why in the book, I talk a lot about compassion and Dr. Kristen Network and Dr. James Doty, who's the head of the compassion department at Stanford and, and his work is truly inspirational. And that question, what would I advise a friend experiencing what I am that again, that question when I first heard or what would I what would I advise a friend experiencing what I am now? Suddenly, as you just said, we tap in to the to the brilliant advisors we are when our friend asks us for advice, but
1: we seemingly can't do it for ourselves, and so that third party frame. Yeah, sorry. then we should remember that. Remember that, oh, I remember that great advice I gave that person. I have a wise mind. So when you feel completely lost and afloat and thinking, what am I going to do? think, hey, I gave such good advice to the X person. I've got it in me. There is this wisdom in me. Anyway, that was just a little point I wanted to emphasize that help people to remember we have a wise mind. Exactly.
0: And that was and that really is the 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 summary of like is flexible thinking This idea of, you know, all of these tools and then the end of the book really just goes into, as you said, like the flex and real life, like how we can apply it and how it feeds into culture and future thinking and all of these things. But
1: it's been totally life changing oh it's it's a wonderful book It's really a book that will help people clean up their mental mess seriously it's It's very practical it's very down to earth and it really aligns with the philosophy that I teach on this on this podcast and the work that I do and that's why I'm so excited to've interviewed you about the book so here's my final question to you and listen you and I can talk all day and we'll do these interviews again for sure we we'll, we definitely need part two so for sure so here's my question to you how do you clean up your mental mess so
0: honestly through Some of a lot of a lot of the, the, the tools I've discussed in that's why I created those four C's. But I go back to that quote, I can't think my way out of a problem. I have to move my way out of a problem. So as soon as my brain and my mind feels very messy, that is when I know I need to change my energy, whether that be a quick walk, a run, my kind of go to is a dance. I put on my cheesiest music and I you know and I try to do that every single morning whatever song is you know my mood boosting song for that week and that it is amazing something so simple but that connection step upgrading your energy
1: is really like the the beginning of sorting out my mental mess Oh, I love that. That's such a lovely thing to do. I could just, now we can all visualize you dancing in the morning. So maybe there'll be a lot of dancing in the morning happening from now on, (laughs) which is such a happy thing. That's wonderful. Where can people get hold of the book and get hold of you? you can find me online anywhere just at poppy jamie
0: on instagram and i'm just so delighted to answer any questions and the book is if you just type in happy not perfect the book and it is at every major retailer so you can so whichever one you you'd like and as i said just so delighted to answer any questions and thank you so much uh, dr lee for having me it's been so wonderful and honestly a, a privilege to be talking to someone who is like
1: honestly the leader of the field Oh, thank you so much. I'm very honored. And that's for your very, that's lovely, kind words. Thank you so much. I'm very honored. And it was wonderful talking to you. I always enjoy talking to you. And I look forward to doing it again. And congratulations on your book. And this is such important work that you're doing. And thank you for doing it. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's been so good. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you again next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful.